The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. And yes, I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot, and this is the latest edition of the TWBC Podcast. And I have an extraordinarily special edition here because uh, I have the opportunity, after two years away from the international water ski scene, to be able to, to talk with a multiple-time world women's jump champion, Jacinta Carroll. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. No worries, no worries. And uh, it's been a bit of a struggle just to get here, huh, at the Malibu Open? Yeah, you could say that, just a little bit. Okay, tell us, a, tell us a little bit about those struggles, because Australia seems to have a more stringent uh, way of uh, clamping down upon, upon COVID-19 right now, especially where it varies between the federal government and the state. Uh, regale us a little bit in that respect. Yeah, so basically you can't leave the country at the moment. Um, there's about three reasons as to why you can leave the country. Um, one is essential business, um, working in a healthcare profession. Um, one is you're leaving for good and not coming back. And, and then they made another reason basically for athletes because the Olympics went ahead. So luckily for some of us water ski athletes that have made our way over here this year, it's all because the Olympics went ahead. So because they were allowed to leave to represent the country, we are too. So um, we had to apply to get an exemption to leave the country, which is wow. very difficult. Um, and then we have to pay extraordinarily um, increased amount on an airfare to get here. Wow. I mean, and, and just to kind of set the scene, just to give you a little bit of an indication of what it's like right here, uh, I'm... I'm exactly six feet away from you as we're doing this interview because the last thing you want to risk is to con is contracting uh, COVID-19, which would preclude you from ever getting back into Australia, at least before Christmas, right? Yeah, so I had a phone call with my travel agent yesterday. One of our Aussie skiers coming for Worlds, his flight actually was cancelled and his return flight was moved forwards that now takes place during Worlds. So that's a bit Ugh. ridiculous. So, And she said for me... The next flight she can get me on after, if I happen to be COVID positive when I get my pre-departure test done for my airfare, if I happen to be positive, the next possible flight she can get me on into Australia is December 27. <sighs> two, day, two days after Christmas. I cannot afford to stay in America for another six weeks with no work, paying to be in a hotel room while I wait for, a, for an airfare. Wow. Okay. Let's let's put the horrid COVID nineteen <laughs> aside. So uh, if you see me at the ski lake, I'm not being rude. I'm just not coming close to you, and I'm not giving you a hug. And I might even be uh, more than likely be masked up at Worlds next week. I just can't risk it. Speaking about the Worlds, uh, obviously you are here for that. You're here to defend 
the World Championship title that you first won in 2013. You know, I mean, going back, to, I mean, I was actually there for the first time you actually won the World Jump title with Santiago to Chile. Yeah. Now, kind of go back a little bit, you know, and just taking all that into account, 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019, and now you're trying to go for your fifth straight world title. That, that I mean, that's that's just amazing in anyone's book. Anyone's book. Yeah, I, I think the you know going, trying to become the first person to win five in a row is is probably one of the biggest goals for coming over here. Um, it's like I said earlier, the, the airfares in itself was an extraordinarily huge cost to me. But my, I just to try and do something that no one else has ever done. Like I'm always wanting to open that next chapter in the in the history books of water skiing and what can we do more? What can we what can we prove? What what thing can we do? So um, going for my fifth, it's it's a huge accomplishment and a, and a massive achievement that I'm super super proud on. But obviously, like there's plenty of amazing jumpers right now. We've got some awesome girls, you know, Pucci and um, Britt Greenwood last weekend or the weekend before hitting up over 180s. Hannah Stratzlova going over 180s most tournaments this year. So it's going to be an awesome competition I'm just really excited that after two years off I finally got a chance to stand on the dock again and and have those competition nerves for the last few months I mean your time away from the common competitive scenes you, you must have been like one of those balls you know that's in the rodeo ring just waiting to be released you know in in into into the competitive field because you mentioned so great jumpers there Brittany Greenwood Hannah Straltzover whole bunch of others that were jump that have been jumping into 180 feet and now you're out you're off the leash now so to, so to speak I mean speak to that a little bit yeah, so I guess last year boating was actually cancelled and, well, banned in Australia, so I'm not sure if people realise that, that I was physically not even allowed to ski. So I had nine months off um, and it took me a long, long time to come back. So when I started again in December last year, like by the time Moomba should have been on and Australian Nationals, like I just wasn't where I needed to be and I started to get quite anxious and quite stressed seeing the amazing scores coming out of America and I couldn't do that at that time like I felt like I was going backwards um but at the end of the day you know technique is key and, and if you keep focusing on that rather than distance and the distance will come so it's just been a really massive mental battle really to not focus on seeing those scores come out of America and trust that I've got the skill and ability that if I continue to follow the right processes, it will come back in time. Because there was a couple of seasons back, there was there was an incident. There was there, there was a bit of a crash that you took approaching Masters, and there there was speculation that you might not be able to jump in that event. However, you did jump in that event, and although you got off to a little bit of a shaky start, you still came through with a distance that was going to be enough to win. Yeah, I guess luckily for me, I'm from the health industry and I work as a physical therapist. So I know my body really well and I know what injuries I can push through and what ones I can't. Um, luckily for me, I knew that I could go and change my technique a little bit to be able to get a distance on the board and hope that that would be enough. So it was my own fault. I shouldn't have put myself in that situation. I made an error of judgment two days before Masters and took a jump that saw me have a massive out the front and that was my own fault so I've got no one else to blame for that mm. except myself I'm just lucky that I do have enough knowledge to know my body and know what I could do at Masters despite the injuries all right kind of give us a brief overview of what your technique is I mean because there I mean because there there are a lot of ladies out there that are trying that are trying to emulate you I mean you're the you're the only active jumper right now that is even approaching 190 feet let alone jumped over it and 
they're trying to alter their technique in a number of ways, you know, with, with, with the skis and the turn and everything and their edge across the weeks. But your technique has hardly changed ever since I met you, like, pr- prior to 2013. But I'm sure that you argue that with, with your fitness background, there's a little bit more to it than, ju- than just trying to hit the, hit the jump in a, like a bowling ball, you know? <laughs> yeah, obviously, like, God, I'd be rich if I could have a dollar or $2 for every time somebody says, oh, my God, Robert, you look crazy out there. Oh, my God, your turn's crazy. Oh, my God, how late were you? I'd be so rich. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to turn a blind eye to that because I can go out there and I can look good for you. And I can turn good and I can turn smooth and I can go 180 and that's okay. But I'm not okay with that. If you want to be okay with watching uh, me go that far, then that's okay. But for me to push those limits and push those boundaries and try and go that 200, then I have to be, quote, Freddy Krueger, 2019 Malibu Open, a little bit unorthodox. Like when he described my jumping two years ago when I was here at Melbourne Open, when he was on commentary, he said she's a little bit unorthodox her turn and I don't think anybody else could get away with the way she turns. And he's probably right uh-huh. because I don't train that much. I train more in the gym than I do on the water. Um, and my strength and power development, I guess, is my ma- massive ast- attribute for me. And, yes, my technique might be a little unorthodox and, yes, it might look a bit crazy to some but at the end of the day, I'm willing to kind of cop that flack to be able to produce some of the distances that I can. The only jumper that I know of that has a technique even close to you is Emma Shears <laughs> from, back, from back in the <laughs> well, day. Well, her brother is my coach, so... <laughs> that, 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 kind, that kind of hopes. I mean, how much were you inspired by the likes of Emma Shears in, in, your, in your career so far as jumping is concerned? Yeah, well, obviously, Emma was, you know, a huge advocate for women's jump and really fought hard to be allowed to go five and a half foot rather than the five foot that they were, you know, jumping back in those days. And she held the Australian record and she broke the world record a couple of times. And obviously seeing that growing up, you know, I was only just getting into the sport when as she was kind of going out of the sport. But it's always good to know that somebody from your own country has been able to do it. You know, being able to open that door and make a name for herself, so it shows you that it's possible. Um, so yeah, her and, and her brother Curtis, he's been, you know, my best friend since Ray passed away, and wow. he's really taken me under his wing. And everything that we do is trying to fulfil the promises and the dreams that we made for him. You speak about Ray Stokes, of course. Uh, tell us about his influence. Oh gosh, like. It's been 10 years, Tony, and I still tear up every time someone asks me because every day that I'm on the water is a day that I can try and make him proud. Yeah? Like, when your coach weighs 35 kilos, or 70 pounds, in a hospital bed and his bones are brittle and you can see the tumours in him and you're saying goodbye and you make a promise to him, you do everything you can every day of your life to try and fulfill that so yeah like it it hurts and it hurts to not have him here but at the end of the day that's why I keep jumping because every time I'm out there he's with me and that's the closest I can get to him so you know 10 years on and I still blubber up like this it's it obviously just that's how much it means to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's 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 been a while since since he passed away, I'd tear up a, a tear up a little bit and remember the good times that, that myself and Ray had. You know, I mean, and the very few times that I got to talk to him, you know, he's, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, he's a top bloke. I mean, oh he yeah, wants, yeah. 
he, he told my dad when I was 11. He never told me because I never got a compliment of him. <laughs> he told my dad when I was 11 that I was going to be the... I was going to be a world champion when I was older and I was going to do something incredible in the sport that no one had seen yet. And I wasn't told that until about three years after he passed, my mum and dad finally sat me down and told me that. But he said that to my family when I was 11. So he could see something that no one else could see. You know, like that's the kind of person he was. Wow. Wow, that's thought-provoking <laughs> in itself. Got a few more questions. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground in the last 12 or so minutes. <laughs> we haven't even begun to, to get into the whole realm of another sport that you were trying to be an uber success at, and that is weightlifting. Tell us a little bit about your adventures with that and uh, whether you still harbour uh, ambitions to pursue that route going forward. Yeah, so obviously I came home from Worlds in Mexico and I'd moved states. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody in the new state. I've, this is 2015? Yeah, 2015. So, And at the Institute of Sport, they were harping on me to try an Olympic sport. So I figured, why not try something? It would be a good social environment, a good way to meet people. Um, and I thought, well, hell, like it's only going to benefit my skiing, right? All right? So I took up weightlifting and, yeah, like got to a national level um, and representing the country within my first couple of years and then the injury started and you know once again probably my own fault I, I work full-time at home and then I was competing internationally in two sports my body was taking a pounding wow. so um, about a year ago about September 2020 I decided that if I was going to somehow get back on my skis um, and make it to America for world champs this year, I would never forgive myself if I got injured doing another sport. I could forgive myself if I went out and crashed jumping and got injured. Like, that's part of the, the deal. But if I got injured lifting some weights, then I wouldn't forgive myself that I missed out on the, the water ski world. So I decided to pull back a little. Um, obviously, I pulled out of the, the rest of the Tokyo qualifiers because I had gone and represented Australia at... at at um, a couple, but I didn't do any more after that, and I really just solely focused on my skiing. I still train weightlifting, I definitely do, and it's been a huge aspect of my jumping career, um, but I just don't do it as heavy and as often as what I was, say, two years ago. All right, then, uh, continuing on, uh, weightlifting. How, how close were you realistically to making that trip to Tokyo? I mean, based upon what you said. No, I, I don't think I would have made it. I think I would have come in second to the girl who got to go in my weight division. Erica Yamasaki, she's like what I, like she's kind of what I am in skiing. She is in weightlifting. You know, she's been at the top of her game for 20 years in Australia. So she deserves it, 100%. And I was so happy that she got to go. Um, I don't think I could have kept up what I was doing. I don't think I could have kept improving because I was exhausted. I was injured and I was in pain. All right, then, another subject, another uh, controversial subject, rather, in, not only in weightlifting, but a whole bunch of other sports. Uh, I can't remember her name, but there was this weightlifter from New Zealand that actually made it onto their team and competed in the, into the Olympic Games. You know, formal, for, biologically born a man, but changed, changed genders, became a, become, became a woman and qualified to compete for New Zealand. She didn't, she didn't really perform as well as she should, but 
this opens up a whole kettle of fish where it where it go where it pertains to a whole number of different sports weightlifting included would you care to comment on that um, because I'm outside of Australia, I probably can comment. We're actually banned from commenting on this back home um, as part of the Weightlifting Federation. But at the end of the day, a man's a man's and a girl's a girl. Like biologically, genetically, Laurel Hubbard trained as a male for 25 years. She developed strength. She trained technique with testosterone, with growth hormones out of a male. Um, I'm a science nerd. I'm a physical therapist. You do not lose those strength gains. The the architecture of the muscle 25 years post a sex change still resembles the original genetic predisposition that she had. So she is a male competing as a female and I feel like we have worked so hard in the world to promote female athletes and to try and bring some equality to females in sport and in one decision we were all slapped in the face. Every single one of us was slapped in the face from one decision because at the end of the day she's had an unfair advantage I'm not allowed to go and take testosterone out of a bottle, so why can she have it naturally? And I know they're saying her levels are below that of a a male because she's been taking drugs to stop it, but she's still trained as a male for 25 years. So, no, I do not believe she should have been at the Olympics, and it's karma that she didn't make any of her lifts. All right, then. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's a subject that, had, that had, had, to be, had to be explored, I mean, considering your history. Now, something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, lift up your, uh, your left hand for a second. I see you've uh, you got some jewellery on there. Uh, tell us some more about that. Uh, yeah, I got proposed about three days before I got on the flight to come to America. Wow. Who's the lucky bloke? Uh, His name is Sam Weeks. So he used to water ski. His parents are heavily involved in the the ski industry back in Australia, but he doesn't ski anymore, which is great, right? It's really good that he understands it. He can drive for me. His dad's an amazing jump driver, Um, but yet he doesn't compete, so I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to deal with him having a bad day on the water and, you know, that impacting potentially my training or my competing. So it's uh, best of both worlds. Indeed, and I mean, it seems to me from that answer that you're very keen and very focused to compartmentalise yourself and like isolate yourself from everything else that's going on. So that that kind of drama, this kind of drama, any other kind of drama, you shut yourself out and you just completely focus with what you're doing. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I guess you have to. Like when you're out on the water, if you're not zoned into the three jumps you're having, you might as well not be out there. You know, if I'm at work and I'm thinking about skiing and not my sick, ill or injured patient in front of me, then that's not the best for the patient. You know, so I guess in all facets of life, it's, you know, it might be 80% physical, but the the 20% of mental is huge. Wow. All right, then. So uh, we're going to round off uh, this podcast. We thank you very much for being uh, for being a part of it. But before we round this off, uh, any message that you want to send uh, to your to your fans or 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 indeed anyone that you want to give a big shout out to? No, I'd just like to say thank you to obviously everybody who's supported me, not just in the last few years, but, you know, those those people who towed you for the set early mornings before school when you are a kid and the, the people who have always been there and always watching out for you. Like, they're the ones that, that help you get to the top, not the ones that jump on the bandwagon once you're there. So um, I'm just thankful for everybody for supporting water skiing and being at events like where we are today at Trophy Lakes here and having people continue to put on professional events. It's It's awesome. 
All right, then. That was Jacinta Carroll. I'm Tony Lightfoot. This has been another episode of the TWBC podcast. Make sure you like and follow uh, these podcasts and indeed uh, uh, listen to them with Spotify and every other podcast platform you can think of. Uh, But for now, it is a ciao for now. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.